Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. This morning, let's, right off the bat, let's start our Bible study off with a story. A story from a fellow by the name of Herb Frost. Herb Frost wrote this story. It actually got posted in Reader's Digest, and I got it, and I thought it would be interesting for us to learn what Herb says. You go, well, what exactly does Herb say? Well, Herb, when it comes to marriage, he said, there are things that we need to do in marriage, and there are things that we shouldn't do for our wives. You go, well, what shouldn't we do for our wives? Well, he writes, there are certain things we shouldn't buy for our wives, things that we should not buy. He says, although the only person a man usually shops for is his wife, the whole experience is a stressful one. Many a man has felt in extreme frigid temperatures for a long period based on poor present decision. As a veteran of these wars, I'm still not sure what I need to buy for my wife, but I'll pass it on on what not to buy. Now, I know some of you are really good at buying for your wife, but this is Herb, okay? So here's what Herb says. You ready? Number one, things that we should not buy for our wives. You ready? Number one, don't buy anything that plugs in. Anything that requires electricity, he says, is going to seem as practical. Don't buy anything that plugs in, right? Men? Sweetie, I bought you the splendor. Number two, it's like you guys are asleep. Men, don't buy clothing that involves sizes. Chances are, one in 7,000 that you will get her size right. And your wife will be offended the other 6,999 times. She'll say something like this. Do I look like a size 16? Or she'll say, that's too small of a size. I haven't been a size 8 in 20 years. What's the point? Men, don't buy sizes, right? Avoid that. Number three. Avoid useful things like the new silver polish advertised to save hundreds of hours is not going to win you any brownie points. Number four, don't buy anything that involves weight loss or self-improvement. She'll perceive a six-month membership to a diet center as a suggestion that she is overweight. Now, you're all looking at me like, this is what Herb wrote, okay? He said, don't buy jewelry. How do you women feel about that? Don't buy jewelry. The jewelry your wife wants, you can't afford. And the jewelry you can't afford, she doesn't want. Can I get an amen? And guys, guys. Do not fall into the traditional trap of buying her frilly underwear. Your idea of the kind your wife should wear and what she actually wears are light years apart. (laughs) Number seven, finally, don't spend too much. How do you think we're going to afford that, she'll ask. But don't spend too little. She won't say anything, but she'll think, Is that all I'm worth? This is what Herb writes about marriage. You see, this morning, 
we're going to talk about marriage. We're going to talk in depth three weeks really about our marriages. And, and here's my prayer, church. My prayer is that it will help each one of us first and foremost with our walks with God. Okay, because let's just be straight. If our walks with God are right on, if, if our vertical is awesome, then horizontal is going to be good too. If this is off, this will be off too. So that's my prayer. My prayer is, guys, we're talking marriage, but let's get the principle of what God wants to share with us. And you go, well, Ben, why are we, why are we doing three weeks in marriage? I mean, what, what, really, what's, why? Here's why. Listen to me. When it comes to marriage, guys, I believe that marriages are under the most vicious attack these days. You see, the closer we get to the return of Jesus Christ, the more the enemy wants to destroy your marriage. And, and listen, if you're here today and you're married, listen to me. You are under attack. Pastor, I've been married 30 years. You're under attack. You go, why am I under attack? Here's why. Listen. Listen to me. The reason is simple. Marriage is like the Christ-church relationship. You see, the whole concept of marriage is meant to illustrate Christ's relationship to the church. Paul wrote this in Ephesians chapter 5, 31 and 32. He speaks on Christian marriage and he says this, for this reason, a man's going to leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they're going to become one flesh. And everybody goes, okay, but what's the point? He goes, verse 32, this is a great mystery because I speak concerning Christ and the church. So, if this, if our marriage illustrates who God is and we're the bride of Christ, then guess what? The enemy's like, let's attack that. Let's attack that. Let's destroy that. I want to destroy people's life. Don't you realize that he's come to rob, kill, and destroy? And marriages are part of that. And so again, they're under the most vicious, vicious attacks. But listen, let me just kind of paint this picture for you. Marriages are not only attacked under the divorce or separation. Well, we're divorced or we're separated, right? He, he gets that. He goes after that. But he also wants to attack our marriages, guys. And he wants to attack our marriages also in the way the home represents Christ. That's how he wants to attack it. Listen, I can't get you all to separate. I can't get you all divorced. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to attack it in the way your house represents Christ, how it's run, and how you honor God in your homes. How's that? Here's why. Listen, because the people around you are watching your marriage. They're watching your family. They're watching your life. They're watching how the household runs. And the enemy comes in and he wants to destroy that. And people go, oh, well, I guess, I guess the church of God is chaos. I mean, look. And so the enemy wants to come in and he wants to dishonor God by destroying you. This morning, church, we're going to attempt to cover this one verse and really just two topics. We wrote those topics down, but it's important you grab them. Maturity and transition. Maturity and transition. Now, you go, Ben, did you just say we're going to cover one verse? We're going to cover one verse. But you guys remember our autocorrect series? 
in order to cover one verse, I have to give you context, or else if then it just becomes a verse, and if I take it out of context, then it becomes a pretext, and I can make it say anything I want. I don't want to do that. I want to do it in its context. That's what I really want to do. So I'll give you some background, and then we'll just continue to study this. Now, the text actually starts in verse 4 of chapter 2, right? And verse 4, now listen, it could be Moses. The Bible says Moses wrote this. Maybe Moses, I mean, we know that Moses wasn't there in the creation, but he wrote this or he got it from Adam somehow. But either way, the authorship is given to Moses. Moses starts out and he says, listen, I want to give you the history of the heavens and the earth. This is what he wants to do. He says, listen, this is how, let me just give you some history. And he starts off in verse 4. And if you move over to verse 7, notice what it says with me in verse 7. It says, And the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. First and foremost, we can grasp out of that verse, church, is man is nothing but dust. Do you realize? You're dirt. I am not dirt. No, seriously. And the reason, sometimes we get so prideful in our walk. You don't know who I am. I just, you're dirt. The Bible just said you were dirt. And God picked up some dirt and he says, okay, here's what I'm going to do. And the second thing we learn from that is God, he breathes, what? He breathes into the man. What happens when somebody breathes into you? You first, you inhale. And when you inhale, the word of God just told us that all of a sudden man became a living being. You're going to, in your lifetime, you're going to experience attack on God based upon this verse. But let me say this to you, okay? Number one, we know that life came in with an inhale, and we know when life leaves this body, it is always with a exhale. That shows God right there, guys. No one has ever left this life going, normally it's a Because there's no life in us anymore. God showed us in this verse that he breathed into our nostrils. We inhaled and we became a living being. Well, then what happened? Well, there's Adam. I'm alive. Adam, what are you supposed to do? Uh, I don't know. What do you want me to do, God? I'm sitting in this garden. This is amazing. I want you to name the animals. Name the animals. So he got the privilege of naming the animals, right? Oh, look, that looks like a duck, right? Duck. We'll call him duck. Um, bird. Uh, giraffe. That looks like a giraffe. Look at the neck. Gir- so he's naming all the animals, right? Hippopotamus. I mean, elephant, right? Lions, tigers, bears. Nobody said, oh, my, just wondering if you're paying attention. So he's naming the animals, right? He's naming the animals, but he's lonely. It's like, I mean, he's got a dog, right? But it's not the same. And then comes verse 22. Notice what happens. Then the rib, which the Lord God had taken from men, he made into a woman and he brought her to the man. So Adam's busy going duck, cat, Bird, frog, ah, oh, none of these are suitable. God says, Adam, take a, take a nap. Okay. He takes a nap. God takes a rib out of him, right? Takes a rib, right? 
and he makes woman. And he brings her. I'm just thinking, wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. He brought Adam, the first wife, from a rib. All of a sudden, he's just like, this is, this is nuts. And you know what happened? Look at verse 23. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. If you have a pencil handy, you can circle that word for woman. The Hebrew word is isha, isha. You know what that means? You go, Ben, Captain Obvious is probably, it means woman. It means, it means woman, right? From, it means taken from man, but you can write next to it, it means soft. I think that's the coolest thing. Why? Because God loved me so much, he made my wife soft. I like that. Soft. Women, women are just soft. They're pretty and soft, and, and Adam's like, that looks like me, but she's soft. Wow. Wow. And so then we come to our verse, right? It says, therefore, here's our verse for today. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Now, in our text, church, listen. I believe this one verse is the best explanation of a marriage for us today. Right here, one verse sums it all up. You go, how so? Well, let's break it down. The first thing we see is the word, therefore. And whenever we see a word, therefore, we need to know what it's there for. We got to go back to the previous verse. Okay? So what was the previous verse? You ready? Here's, here's the Ben translation. Adam goes to sleep, wakes up, sees Eve. You know what his response was? Wow! Whoa! Hubba hubba! Wow! Look, that's a rich. Woo wee! That's 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 what it means. That's what he saw. He saw Eve, and it was like, wow! Yes, Lord, good job. I mean, whatever he said, right? That's what he means. That's what's going on. That's what he said. She's soft, Lord. I don't know who he's telling. I don't know who he's telling the cow. You, you didn't realize that she's soft. She looked just like me. Wow! Ooh! Thump! 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 Eve's like, why are you looking at me? Baby, you're you're just, whoo. Wow. It's in the text. He said, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. That's my translation. That's, That's usually what happened. Because he saw that, then God instituted the institution of marriage, right? Therefore, what? An account of her likeness to man her suitableness to his companion just look like him and his appointment with God in regard to it, okay? So therefore, we see all of this. Adam is now love-struck. He's smiling from ear to ear. The animals have disappeared, if you know what I'm talking about. And he says, that is woman. Woman. And so verse 24 says, therefore, a man shall leave. What's that? Yeah, if you have a pencil handy, that's the first statement we're going to study. Go ahead and underline a man shall leave. A man shall leave. Because let's dwell on that for today. Let's dwell on that statement, okay? I want you to notice with me, guys, in our Genesis account, for the sake of our study, we'll say Moses is the author. He employs the term a man. Right? He employs the term. He says, therefore, 
amen. And you go, okay, I got this, amen, amen. What does it mean exactly? Well, we know that woman means ish, shah. So man has to mean ish. That's the Hebrew word. It's ish. You go, well, Ben, what does it mean? Well, Captain Obvious, uh, if you look at it, Captain Obvious means it's an individual or male. That's what it means. You go, okay, well, that makes sense. Amen. But if you keep searching, much like you do with woman, right? A woman is a, a taken out of men, but she's soft. And the implication is she's, she's like me, but she's so much different. She goes, well, what is a man? Well, it's a male. No, no, no. If you click your button a couple more times and you do some research, here are the words that come out, right? A man in which Moses is trying to communicate to us is much more than a male. Here's what he says. He says, a man is... And the word champion comes out. Isn't that amazing? He says, therefore, a champion. Yeah, I'm a champion. No, 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 not in the prideful sense, in the humble sense. He's your champion. You go, what else? You click on there, you got champion, you got husband. That's where we get the marriage verse. He goes, your your champion, your husband. The word good comes out. The word great comes out. Mighty, steward. Worthy? These are all terms associated with, with what Moses is trying to communicate to us and what it means to be a man. It's not just like a man, so I'm a man now. How come? Turned 18, I'm a man. Turn, you know, whatever it might be whenever you turn to man. That's not when you're a man. You're a man is, is what Moses is trying to say. Is he says, now listen, when it's time to be a man, you're going to be a champion. You're going to be a husband. You're going to be good. You're going to be great. You're going to be a good steward. You're going to be worthy. And this blows me away. Why? Because Moses employs the word, and it means much, much more than just a male person. So what's he saying? Well, guys, if you're taking note, the first thing we need to learn is it represents maturity. Maturity, that's what it represents. Okay? And maturity can apply to both men and women as they seek to be married or is already married. I know in this service, we have a lot of singles in here, and I'm praying that one day you go, hey, one day I hope to be married. One day I hope to be married. I'm wondering where the one is. Where is the one? And you keep looking and you're wondering, and some of you are young enough, you're like, I ain't never going to be married. Are you kidding me? But nonetheless, guys, think about this, guys. This, this, you're gonna to have to. You're gonna to have to look at it and define it. Is this who I am? Is this who Moses is? Is this? Am I ready? You see, it takes a mature man, and it takes a mature woman to pursue the institution of marriage. It takes maturity. It takes maturity. So, I guess the obvious question is, what does it mean to be mature? For marriage or in marriage? What does it take? What, I'm pursuing marriage. I'm in marriage. I hope to be married. Why won't he marry me? Whatever it might be, it takes maturity. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you some non-negotiables, okay? These are non-negotiables. Now, you go, well, Pastor, I've, we, we've been married 30 years. I mean, what? What up? You know, here's why. You should still have this non-negotiable. If you don't have this non-negotiable and you're married, this is something you should pursue. 
Why? Because it's non-negotiable. This is not like, hey, let's talk about this. Maybe you give, I'll give, compromise. No, non-negotiable. You ready? Number one, this is the first thing that we should look for in the institution of marriage, that a man, a mature man, a mature woman, ready, needs to have his or her own relationship with God. That's first and foremost. That's non-negotiable. If you're single, if you're single and you're hoping to be married, that's the one thing you better, you better land on. They love Jesus more than they love you. They are, have their own relationship. They're not hoping that you bring them to church. They're not hoping that you would someday pray at the dinner table. They've already established a relationship with God. That's a non-negotiable. That's a non-negotiable. Well, pastor, I'm already married. Do you have your own relationship with God? Why? So many of men are hoping that they're going to get into heaven hanging on to the coattail of their wife, if you will, when she goes. Hey, baby, I know we've been married a long time, but pray for me because I hope when you go to heaven, I'll follow you. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Every single one of us is going to stand before God and give an account for our own selves. We need to have a right relationship with God. A right relationship with God. It's a non-negotiable. Guys, listen. I can't tell you through the years that I've been pastoring how many counseling sessions I've had with with couples. They've come in, Pastor, we're just struggling. We've been married five years. We've been married six. Just struggle, struggle, struggle. You with me? I can't tell you how many times we've, I've come to counseling session, and here's why. Because they told each other that they were believers, they were Christians first, only to confess later that they weren't. Uh, well, what do you mean? Well, I told her I was a believer because she was hot. She's good looking, man. I, wanted to, I just didn't want to lose her. And so I told her I was a believer, but I really wasn't. And then they got married, right? And the case was, she continued her walk with God. He continued his walk in the world. And I'm counseling them, and I'm saying, you've got to have a relationship with Jesus. You have a relationship with Jesus. Why is that important? Okay, let me show you this, okay? This is you, and this is your wife, okay? Here you are, okay? I want you to picture a triangle, Okay, God is at the very point, at the very point. Listen, if you have a walk with God and you're walking with God and he's walking with God, guess what happens? The closer you walk with God, the closer you get together. That's how it, that's how it is. Now, if he says, well, I'm a believer, baby, because you look fine and I want to marry you and I don't want anybody else to have you, but she starts to walk with God and he doesn't, well, that's when the enemy comes in. You see the distance? And we're not getting closer to God. And it works both ways. And so a non-negotiable, guys, when, 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 when Moses says, listen, for this cause, therefore, because of this, a man, that man, that woman needs to have a real relationship with God. A real relationship. You go, well, pastor, what should I do? You guys should, first and foremost, watch them. Watch them. Listen, true colors are going to come out. They will. And I know it breaks your heart because you go, I'm so in love. I'm so in love. But he's not the guy for you. Why? 
because he never wanted to, he never wanted to worship the Lord with you. Watch him. How should a believer treat other people? What does the Bible say? We, we hold them in high esteem, right? We put others ahead of ourselves. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? Watch them. When you go out to eat, watch him. Watch her. Oh, pastor, okay, okay. So what happens if I'm married? What, what, what happens if I'm married? Then you make the point, you go, listen, I'm going to have my relationship with God first. I tell people this, guys, listen, there's, <clears throat> if, if you want to be loved the way you want to be loved, he needs to love Jesus first. And I don't mean wear the t-shirt, right? I, I heart Jesus, will you marry me? What do you say, girls? No. Unless you walk with God in the same way, man, you know what? Oh, well, I'm a Christian, but they need to, that's a non-negotiable, a relationship with Jesus. Number two, a mature man, a mature woman, you ready? Jot this down. Learns and knows, learns or knows how to communicate. How to communicate. Guys, even the best relationships have friction. Can I get an amen? You're going to do something or say something that he doesn't like or she doesn't like. It's inevitable. The mature man, the mature woman will have a productive conversation with you even if it's awkward. Even if it's awkward. We have to learn how to communicate. Well, Pastor, I think we're talking to each other. No, 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 no. I'm not saying talking because, like, because, guys, listen, we can talk all day long. We talk about the weather. We can talk about work. And, and you're just having this dialogue. But I'm talking about communication. I'm talking about you learn how to communicate. Why? Because a lot of times our communication is not what our wife hears. A lot of what they communicate is not what we hear. We have to learn to communicate. Well, what is communication? Well, Webster defines it like this. An imparting or interchange of thoughts, opinions, information by speech, writings, or signs. Let me tell you what communication is not. You ready? Communication is not talking down to each other. It's not talking down. I can't, well, you can't believe you. You just, that's, that's not, that's not communicating. That's talking down. And I will tell you what will happen. When you begin to talk down to each other, here's what happens. The tonality, the, the physiology of the way you present something, your significant other is going to shut down. Not going to talk. They're hurt. Instead of going, oh, you know what? Let's, I'm sorry. What did you mean by that? Let's, let's talk this out. Let me, here's what I heard you. Oh, no, no. Because half the time, what we say is not really what we mean. How, how many of you speak before you ever think? Anyone? You know what I'm talking about? It's like the words are already coming out and you're like, oh, I saw what I meant. Oh, 
chasing my words down. Huh? And now, not only did you miscommunicate, but now you've got to apologize because then you see, you see your wife's face drop because you've hurt her. And that's not exactly what you, you just You were just on the fly. You were just thinking. And a mature person, a mature woman, a mature man, guys, learns how to communicate. How do I communicate with my wife? How do you learn how to communicate with somebody? You have to study them. You have to study. You have to know how they receive communication. You have to know how they're able to process stuff. Case in point, I am notorious for just speaking stuff. I'm frustrated, baby. We're moving. Huh? Yeah, we're out of here. Let's find another place to live. Ah. Two days later, I'm like, oh, I didn't mean that. What were you doing? It's called, I was just airing out. I was just speaking out loud. I've had to learn to say, this is neither a plan or a promise. Here's just an idea. Why? Because we scare. You, you know what? Listen, listen. And, and I didn't say this first service, but my wife's here in second service. I used to frustrate her every time. Pat, baby, we're going to move. We're going to move. We're going to plant a church. We're going to plant a church. And you know, she looked at me one day. She goes, can I just hang a picture? Can I just hang a picture? Why? You know what she was hearing? We're moving. Don't do anything. What's wrong with you? And she's going, listen, I just want security. I just want to hang a picture. Can I plant a plant? I don't care if we move next week. I just want to. Is this helping anyone? I'm just saying, this is, this is, we have to learn how to communicate, even if it's awkward, guys. Don't talk down to each other, and don't talk at each other. Communicate. What's the best way to communicate, Pastor? Sometimes we go, here's what I heard you say. Somebody says, here's what I heard you say. Here's what I just heard. Here's what I just, no, 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 that's not what I meant. I meant, I meant this. Oh, okay, okay. Number three, a mature man, a mature woman, you ready? Works hard. Works hard. And learns from his mistakes. Listen to me, church. Things go south in a relationship when you're only focused on making yourself happy. Once you realize that other people are relying on you, you'll be willing to make the sacrifices you need to support your family. What do you mean works hard? He's a hard worker. He's a hard worker. But he also can learn from his mistakes. Listen. That's exactly what it means, right? That's a non-negotiable that you, that you, you um, he goes, hey, listen, you know how a man's ready? You know when a man is ready to, to be married and be part of in the marriage, that he's a hard worker and that he is a good learner. What do you mean? He learns from his mistakes. And not only that, he learns from other people's mistakes. It's one thing to make your own mistake and go, oh, I won't do that again. But it's nice to look at somebody and go, oh, that's, 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 oh, oh. Guys, here's a great quote to jot down, okay? A great quote to jot down. And one pastor said it. He said this, quote, We are products of our past, but we don't have to be prisoners of it. We are products of our past, but we don't have to be prisoners of it. What does that mean? It means, guys, that we can learn from our mistakes. Ron Carpenter Jr. once said, and I quote, 
a teachable spirit and a humbleness to admit your ignorance or your mistake will save you a lot of pain. However, if you are a person who knows it all, then you've got a lot of heavy-hearted experiences coming your way, end quote. Guys, a teachable spirit is going, I don't know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, I made a mistake. I, I made a faux pas. I can't believe this. A teachable spirit, guys, and a, and a humbleness to admit God gave me that ability at times to learn from other people. I'll never forget. I had the privilege of having two older brothers who were married. They're eight years older than me. So you can imagine when I was 12, 13, 14, I would watch them get married. They were young and getting married. And here's the one thing I learned about my brothers. My brothers loved football. Okay. Sunday morning came at 10 o'clock. That TV was on. And they were sitting in front of every single game that was on TV. Okay, they, that's just how we grew up, right? So then they get married, and I remember this, and, and, and I remember going to uh, my brother's house, and, and his wife, his wife was like, sweetie, could we do something today? Could we go to the mall? Could we do this? And he gave her this look like, you know it's Sunday, right? We watch football on Sunday. And I remember thinking, if I'm ever privileged to get married, my wife's going to come first. My wife's going to come first. Why? She wants to spend time with me, and I want to watch what? A bunch of men in tights chasing a pigskin? Come on, guys. I learned that mistake, and I said, I'm not going to make that mistake. Why? Because, Because when that happens over weeks and weeks and weeks, guess what happens, men? Your wife says, I, that's not what I got married for. I want to spend time with you. Well, pastor, does she have to do it on Sunday? That's the one you married. We can learn from other people and go, I don't want to make that mistake. I don't want to make that mistake. Number four. A mature man, a mature woman realizes what's most important and makes you a priority. A mature man wants to spend time with the people he cares about. And if he's dating you, and I will add, if y'all are married, he cares about you and he wants to be with you and only you. He realizes that you're a priority. You see, Paul, the Apostle Paul at one point said, you know, as a child, I thought as a child, I spoke as a child, but as I grew up, I became a man. And and I get that, guys. I get the fact that maybe at 16, you're like, yeah, I'm going to fix up the car, hot rodder, and you're into your stuff, and you're into your cars, and you're into your, your, your I was going to say habits, they're not habits, your, your um, help me, hobbies. But when you get married, guys, that has to, that has to go, that has to, she's a priority now. He's a priority now. Uh, spoiler alert, okay? Next week, we're going to talk about, about leaving mom and dad. Do you realize that mom and dad 
as much as you love them, are not a priority anymore. It's the wives that you want to spend time with them. Can you imagine the fella? Can you imagine the fella that said, well, how long have you been married? Been married 20 years. Where's your wife? I don't know. We would, we would just like, what do you mean? I don't know. I don't know. She's at home somewhere. I don't know. I just don't pay attention to her. Why? Well, I've been married 20 years. I mean, we don't have to keep tabs on each other. Well, you don't want to spend time with her? I don't want to spend time with her. Here's my thought. You ready? You ready, guys? Here's the thing. Do you, married folks, do you remember? Do you remember? Do you remember when you first started dating your gal? Men, do you remember that? My goodness, you were just like Adam. You you didn't even know poetry, and you're speaking poetry. You're like you're no, come on. You're like, baby, I'm gonna call you tomorrow, and you'd wait till twelve oh one, and then you'd call her. It's tomorrow. What are you doing? Uh, you just left me. I just inside. You were so right. And what would you do? We're going to go on a date. We're going to go on a date. What are you doing? That's all you ever wanted to do. You'd go to her folks. Can we go on a date? Can we go on a date? Can I take your daughter on a date? Then you get married and nobody dates anymore. Why did, where did you, when did you lose that? Well, we got married. All the more you should be dating her. All the more. Make it a priority. Why? Because she's a priority. Well, Ben, we have kids. I know we had kids too. And it costs. You have to pay a babysitter. Go on a date. Go on a date. Did you hear me? Go on a date. Why? Because you need that. He needs to know that he's a priority, women. She needs to know that she's a priority. A, a mature man wants to be with you. Not everybody else. Do you, do you remember when you were in, in high school, maybe some of you, if you can remember that far, but back in high school, do you remember when you'd like somebody and you asked her on a date and she said, yeah, can I bring six of my friends? She didn't really want to go out with you. You know what I'm talking about? He's like, yeah, let's all group date. And you're just like, it's the same thing. You want to spend time. Anyway, I got off way off there. Number five. Let let me talk to the men in here. Men, a a mature man is a leader. A mature man is a leader. He's humble in spirit. He's a leader of the home. Listen, can I, can I talk to the women for just a moment? You that are, those of you that are married, I know that you can run the household a lot better than us. God made you soft and smart, but you need to let us be the leader. You need to help us be that leader. He needs to be that leader. That's what God created him for. Yes, you know more. You don't always have to say it. Yes, sweetie, 
Oh, okay, yes, we'll do that. Humble in spirit. Women, listen. Your man should be a man of prayer. You come home to him and you say, We're gonna, I want to do this, I want to do this, we're going to go here. You know what his first reaction should be? It's, can, sweetie, I love you, can we pray about this? Can we just ask God what he wants and make sure we're following in his path? You know what that's going to do if you say, yeah, oh, sweetie, yes, yes, you're the leader. We won't do anything unless we both hear from God, unless we're moving in the right direction. You know what that does for him? It's going to give him the confidence that God is going to use him. He's, he's, but, but humbleness, guys, it's humbleness in spirit. It's like, I'm, I'm the king of my castle. I, whatever she, ever I say, she does. That's not, that's not what she, she's not going to respond to that. Trust me. She's going to respond to humility because, listen, because we know what authority is because we're under God's authority. And so she's going to respond. A quick, 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 quick story, quick story, quick story. I wanted to move and go into business. And I had my heart set, I'm gonna, we're going to go into business, I'm going to grow in business, I'm going to be a businessman, I'm going to be a businessman. But what I didn't realize is what I was communicating to my wife was, I wasn't even praying about it. She was scared to death that I was going to move her across the country and be a business and forget about this. And, and, and she just knew that I wasn't praying about it. And can I let you on a little secret? I wasn't praying about it. I was not the spiritual leader of our home. And so all of a sudden, so we, she, she humbly and yet dragging her heels, she followed me. Guys, when I began to pray about moving back and plant a church and be part of the ministry, she just came right under my arm with love because she knew I had been praying about it and that I was a different man. So it's up to you. It's up to you. Be a man that's a leader, a leader of your home, personal conviction of righteousness. This is what we're going to do. Why? Because it's right. Because it's right. Well, that means we owe the IRS this and this and this. Because it's right. Well, that means because it's right. A personal man of convictions. Now, Honestly, for the sake of our time, gosh, we could go through so many more. But let's move on to transition, right? Because a natural byproduct of being a mature man is going to lead us to transition, right? Notice verse 24 again. Therefore, a man, a mature man is going to what? He shall leave. Everybody say shall leave. He's going to leave, right? So we're going from maturity to transition. Something's got to happen, right? This is the way a man shall leave. This is, you ready? God did not mince words when he instructed, instructing a married couple to leave their parents. How so? The Hebrew word used here in verse 24, which states, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. Here's what it means. To forsake dependence upon. There comes a point when you grow up enough where you go, okay, I'm not depending on them anymore. I'm going to transition. Why? Because I have my own walk with God. I'm a leader in my home. 
I know how to communicate. I'm learning how to communicate. I'm learning how to walk in humbleness and, and admit my mistakes. Now it's time for me to say goodbye to mom and dad. Now it doesn't go against God's word where it says for us to honor them. We always should honor them, hold them in high esteem. But now the word is I'm not going to depend on them anymore. There's a transition. It's to release, to let go. It's time for us to go. You see, transition is the process or period of changing from one state or condition to another. As recorded in Genesis chapter 2, God created Adam first, then Eve. God brought Eve to Adam. God himself ordained that they should be joined together in holy matrimony. He said that the two of them will become one flesh. And of course, this is a picture of marital intimacy, the act of love, ready, that is never to involve anyone else in that way, dependent or not. Transition in marriage means a unique joining of two people into one entity. It means, ready, jot this down, this is so important, we do not quit when things are not going right. It includes talking things out. Can I get an amen? It talks. It, it, it includes praying through things, being patient as you trust God to work through your hearts. It means being willing to admit when you are wrong. I'm wrong. I'm so wrong. I, and asking for forgiveness and seeking God's counsel. Guys, that's, it's, it's, it's transition. Guys, leaving the parents in a sense that you are mature enough to develop your own family. Transition is a big key. And I will never forget the most helpful, yet hurtful words my dad ever told me about transition. You go, what happened? At the time that I had met Nathalie, and, and it was the same thing. It was like, dum, 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 dum. this is bone of my bones, right? I decided we're going to get married, right? So um, I asked her. She said yes. I was surprised. I was like, yes. At the time, I was living with my father alone. We had this big house, three bedrooms, just me and my dad. I have lots of room. It was just us. And so I thought, you know what? I'm going to ask my dad for something. Now, me being the baby, anybody know who the baby of the family is? They get everything they want. Some of us did what we thought. I was the baby. I thought, right? So I went to my dad and I said, Dad, I got a question. You know, I'm, I'm going to marry Nathalie. Oh, yes. I, oh, that's, that's great. That's great. I'm glad. I'm glad for you, Hito. I said, Dad, uh, could me and Nathalie come and live here with you for a while? Right? Now, I'm th- what am I thinking? Oh, of course. We got plenty of room. You guys come and live here and you can get on your feet and save some money. And I'm, that's what I'm thinking, right? You know what he told me? No. He said, you're old enough to marry her. You're old enough to take care of her yourself. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Started crying. Why? I was crying. I was all hurt. I thought for sure. 
No, he gave me the best advice. He said, this is transition, son. It's, you grow up. It's time you grow up. And I never looked back since, guys. Never looked back since. Transition, real quick. You ready? Sometimes we know that next week it's going to mean transitioning, leaving your parents, right? It's, he's going to, what does the Bible say? Going to leave his father and mother. But, but, but listen, for the, for the sake of our study, what, what are some other things that we really need to leave so that we have a good marriage? Jot this down. You ready? Number one, when it comes to transition, it means leaving your past behind. That is so crucial, leaving your past. This leaving and cleaving period involves the fact that your spouse is now central to your relationship. However, it's time, guys, that you put the past behind you and press on to what's ahead. And that means your relationship with your spouse. Listen, it doesn't matter if you're single and it doesn't matter if you're hoping to get married or you're newly married or you've been married a long, long time. There comes a time in every one of our lives where we have to say goodbye to our past or we'll never move forward. Specifically in marriage. Church, listen, I know, I know that there are folks out there who have been divorced and they've been hurt and this is their second, maybe third marriage. I get that. I understand that. And they've been hurt, but there comes a point where they say, okay, I cannot let that past direct where I am today. It's going to destroy. Why? Statistically, the world says that if you've been divorced and she's been divorced, you have less of a chance of making it. But God isn't into statistics, is he? He's a God that says, no, I'm going to be there I'm going to be their center. I'm going to be their center. But it's up to us to say, listen, what that, what's done is done. I'm moving forward. Why? There's a transition. I've got to leave. I'm going to leave my parents. I get that. But I'm going to leave the past in the past. I'm not going to bring up his past. I'm not going to bring up my past. I'm not going to bring up anything that can sabotage and hurt this relationship. That's not what God intended. God intended us to go from this day forward, boom. Guys, some of us who have been married a long, long time, we still, we still bring up the past and it hurts. We got to let go. Being mature in transition says, okay, that hurt. And I don't ever want to go through that again, but it's time to move forward. Why? Because I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm I'm changed. I've got a relationship with Jesus, and I'm going to follow him. You can't afraid to be hurt. You can't afraid. You can't be afraid. Remember, remember our quote, guys. We are products of our past, but we don't have to be prisoners of it. So we need to leave Transition our past, understand that it's gone, we're going to move forward. Next week, guys, we're going to learn about leaving our mother and father and how that is a 
as a complete the model of a complete family as well as transitioning into our own family unit. But let's, let me close with a story, okay? Let me close with this story, and I think it'll apply to every single one of us. You ready? He says, I once read a story of a young woman who wanted to go to college, but her heart sank when she read the question on the application that asked, are you a leader? While being both mature and honest, and conscientious, she wrote, no. And she returned the application expecting the worst. To her surprise, she received a letter from the college. It said, dear applicant, a study of the application forms reveals that this year our college will have 1,452 new leaders. We are accepting you because we feel it's imperative that they have at least one follower. Pastor, your point? There are times, guys, that all of us who lead in various roles and ways in our lives But sometimes we become so focused on the leadership, we forget our first responsibility is to be followers of Jesus Christ. The first command that he gave to his disciples was, follow me, follow me. And it's the same for us. Church, listen. I've struggled with this and struggled with this and trying to think about it, and I've, I've just come to the conclusion. There's no way you're going to be successful, victorious Christian having a strong, godly marriage without first walking in the footsteps of Jesus. I'm convinced. In my mind, I was thinking, oh, there's people out there that they're making it work and they're not believers. And I'm going, no. If you want to have a successful godly marriage, if you have one that honors God, we've got to learn to be followers of Jesus first. What was the first verse we talked about, guys? Is that we're just dust. We're just dust and... Dust makes mistakes. And and if you really want to have a good, successful marriage, let me give you some advice of people who've been married 50, 60, 70, 80 years. You know what it is? They're very good at forgiving each other. They're very good at grace. They've realized, guys, that that they're just human and that they're going to make mistakes but they've never, 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 never quit. You want a successful marriage? Let me give you some non-negotiables, okay? Number one, never use the D word in your house. That is a bad word. No matter what, you're going to fight through, work through, counsel through. You're not giving up. We're never, ever, ever going to use that word divorce. Number two, Protect your marriage. The enemy wants to destroy it. You have to protect it. You have to go above and beyond in putting some barriers and protection. 
you have to. You have to be honest with your spouse. I was sitting in my office one day and I got a text message from somebody I didn't know. And it was a girl. And I went home and I said, Natalie, look, I don't know. I didn't respond. Here's this. I don't know who this is, but I didn't want any. I didn't want any, I mean, foothold to let. You've got to protect that, guys. You've got to protect that. Be careful. Be careful because the enemy doesn't come real strong at you. It'll subtly work through, and it could work through text messages. It could work through emails. It could work through, you know, he wants to destroy your marriages, guys, and that's why we're here. We're here to go, no, 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 no. No, no. And that's the first part. We've got two more weeks in this. Amen. Father, thank you for your word today, and thank you, God, that you've taught us. Lord, first and foremost, we realize that we need to be followers of you, that without a relationship with you, it's going to be harder and harder and harder, but we trust you. And God, marriages are hard even with you because of our stubbornness. But we trust, God, that you're going to work mightily. Thank you for today, God. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.